Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt. All earth is mine. You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together, We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Then Moses told the Lord what the people had said. And the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow. Have them wash their clothes and be ready by the third day, because on that day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. Put limits for the people around the mountain and tell them, Be careful that you do not approach the mountain or touch the foot of it. Whoever touches the mountain is to be put to death. They are to be stoned or shot with arrows. Not a hand is to be laid on them. No person or animal shall be permitted to live. Only when the ram's horn sounds a long blast may they approach the mountain. After Moses had gone down the mountain to the people, he consecrated them, and they washed their clothes. Then he said to the people, Prepare yourselves for the third day. Abstain from sexual relations. On the morning of the third day, there was thunder and lightning with a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Everyone in the camp trembled. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. And the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended to the top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up and the Lord said to him, Go down and warn their people so that they do not force their way through to see the Lord and many of them perish. Even the priests who approach the Lord must consecrate themselves, or the Lord will break out against them. Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up Mount Sinai, because you yourself warned us, put limits around the mountain, and set it apart as holy. The Lord replied, Go down and bring Aaron up with you, but the priests and the people must not force their way through to come up to the Lord, or he will break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them, Evening, everyone. How about now? All right, beautiful. Uh, today, this evening, we are starting a series, as Sarah mentioned, in the book of Leviticus. I know, right? Pretty exciting. Unfortunately, Leviticus comes with a bit of a reputation. It's full of strange laws and rituals, which are hard to understand, and many of which we aren't even expected to follow today. And so, it's easy to dismiss Leviticus as too boring too confusing, too irrelevant. But in place of boring, confusing, irrelevant, 
I think I have a better word to describe Leviticus. Foundational. Leviticus is foundational. If our faith in Jesus was a house, then Leviticus would help make up the foundations of that house. Take what? What must be the most famous thing Jesus ever said? Love your neighbor as yourself. I mean, plenty of people know that quote, right? We know it's from Jesus. But did you know Jesus is actually quoting a book from the Old Testament? He's quoting Leviticus. Or in Romans 3, one of the most important passages in the whole New Testament, Paul writes that the reason we can be forgiven, the reason we can be saved, is because God gave Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. But how on earth would we know what a sacrifice of atonement is? We go to Leviticus. Or one of the most encouraging passages in the New Testament, it's from Hebrews 4, which tells us that since Jesus is our great high priest. We can freely approach the throne of God to find help and grace in our time of need. But how do we know what the job of a high priest is? It's Leviticus. And in 1 Peter, Peter tells us to be holy because our God is holy. Now, how would we make sense of this command to be holy? We go to the book in the Bible that mentions holiness most frequently. We go to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus is not easy but it is foundational. What is easy is taking the foundations for granted, but I'm convinced it will be well worth our time to spend tonight and the next six weeks looking at these foundations of our faith. But, because it's so foreign, we're not just going to jump straight into Leviticus tonight. You would have noticed Dan just read from Exodus. This week, I just want to establish the context of Leviticus in the rest of the Bible. I want to try and fit Leviticus into the big picture of the Bible to make the coming weeks a bit easier. I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump in. Let me pray. Lord God, we thank you so much that you speak to us through all of Scripture, even the hard bits, and we pray that over the coming weeks you would help us to learn to love Leviticus. We pray that you'd help us to see in it your amazing grace towards us, and you'd help us to see Jesus more clearly through it as well. Amen. Have you ever tried to summarize the whole Bible in a sentence? It's 66 books, many genres, written across one and a half millennia, telling countless stories. But also really just telling one big story. And I think a pretty good summary of the Bible is this. The Bible is the story of a holy God seeking out a people for a relationship with himself. The Bible is the story of a holy God saving a people with whom he can dwell in closeness and love. So the Bible starts, the story starts in the book of Genesis, and it starts like this. In the beginning, God. It starts with God. But how do we describe God? We can talk about how big he is, how awe-inspiring, how awesome We could talk about him being eternal. We could talk about him being perfect. We could talk about how there is no one and nothing like him. He's distinct from everything else. To say all that, the Bible just calls him holy. Awesome, perfect, different, distinct, special, most special. He's holy. 
And this holy God creates the world. He creates the universe. And as the crowning jewel of creation, he creates people that can know him, that can relate to him. We're told of Adam and Eve, the first humans who live in a perfect garden and speak with God and meet with him regularly as he walks through the garden in the cool of the day. Isn't that amazing image? Getting to walk side by side with God through a garden. There's closeness, intimacy, trust, love. And because Adam and Eve get to be close to God, they are holy too. They're holy by association. They're holy by proximity. It's like how we stand in the warmth of the sun and we become warm. They stand in the presence of a holy God and become holy. Initially. Until they reject God. They push him away because they want to be their own gods. And that rejection breaks not just their relations with God, but all future relations with God as well. And once they reject God, once they push him away, they stop being holy. They become broken, twisted, flawed. And once they're not holy, God's holiness becomes dangerous to them. But we'll get to that. Because Adam and Eve reject God, they're thrown out of the garden. They are cast out of God's presence. And now there's this distance, this gap, this separation, this giant chasm between us and God. But the story of the Bible is the story of a holy God seeking out a people for relationship with himself. God doesn't just give up after this first massive setback. God continues to relate to different individuals and then to a family. He starts connecting with the family of Abraham and his son Isaac and his son Jacob. And as we saw in our series in Genesis last year, Abraham's family grows and grows across the generations. And even though they are an absolute mess, God keeps relating to them. He keeps loving them. He keeps blessing them. But there's still a distance. They know God, but not very well. The descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were called Israel. And the people of Israel end up enslaved in Egypt. And that's where the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, begins. While in slavery in Egypt, Israel forget God. They don't even remember his name anymore. But God rescues his people from slavery. Under the leadership of Moses, God miraculously defeats the powers of Egypt and brings Israel into safety in the wilderness just beyond the borders of Egypt. And once they're free, God wants to have a proper conversation with Israel. He wants to have a DTR. He wants to define the relationship with them. So they stop at a mountain in the wilderness, Mount Sinai. And God says, this is where we're going to get acquainted with each other. Dan just read from Exodus 19, that really important scene. And I want to slow down here for a bit, even though we're doing a whole Bible overview tonight. God has appointed Moses as the representative of Israel. And so he calls up Moses up the mountain. And then from verse 3, Then Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, And how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, my agreement with you, then out of all nations you will be my treasured possession. 
Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Moses, these are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. Do you hear it? The Bible is the story of a holy God seeking, saving a people to be in close relationship with himself. God is different. He's perfect. He's awesome. He's holy. But God will take this messed up people and let them be close to him and make them holy too. But this living arrangement is going to be challenging. Imagine the king shows up on your doorstep and lets you know that he's going to live with you for a week. Can you imagine how complicated the living arrangements would be in that situation? How much harder to accommodate God in your midst forever? That's what the Israelites are facing. So God tells Israel to prepare themselves for three days. After that, he's going to reveal himself to them on the mountain in cloud and fire. And he has to warn them to stay back. Because his holiness is going to obliterate anyone who gets too close. His holiness is dangerous. It's too perfect, too different, too awesome, too powerful. And it destroys imperfection. It destroys unholiness. So just like Adam and Eve, people have to stay back from God. Before I mention how the sun warms us. The sun is good, right? We love the sun. We love the summer. We need sunshine to survive. But it's also dangerous. Too much exposure to the sun will hurt us. And this is what Israel is slowly coming to understand about God. God is good. He's the source of life. He's gracious and compassionate. He's a rescuer. He's a helper. He's a protector. But he's also holy. Israel are overwhelmed when they see the cloud and the fire and the darkness and the lightning and the thunder all in God's presence and they tell Moses, no man, we're good. You can go up and talk to him yourself. So God makes a covenant with Israel through Moses. They make a deal. He will be their God. He will love them and protect them. And they will be his people. They will love him and obey him. And then Moses goes up the mountain once more to get more directions from God. While he's up on Mount Sinai, God tells him what kind of house he wants to live in amongst the Israelites. He wants to live in a giant tent called a tabernacle. And there's going to be a special room inside the tabernacle called the Holy of Holies. And in that place, that's where God's presence, his glory, is going to dwell among Israel. But while God is giving Moses these directions, the people of Israel are getting kind of antsy. Because they don't really like a God of thunder and lightning and fire and smoke. They don't really like a holy God. That's too threatening, too intimidating, too restricting. If a God that powerful is their God, they're never never really going to be in charge. And so instead, while Moses is up on the mountain, they create an idol, they create a golden calf. And they declare that this statue, this is God who rescued them out of Egypt. And at this point in the story, we're just kind of left wondering, how could a holy God ever live with a people like this? But God forgives them. And Exodus finishes with the people making God's house, the tabernacle, 
and his presence, God's presence, his glory fills the tent. But the people still can't go in. Moses can't even go in. There is this distance still. And on this note of unresolved distance, that's where Leviticus begins. We're only going to read one verse from Leviticus tonight. We're going to read Leviticus chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting. God is in the tent and to speak to Moses, he calls out to him while Moses remains outside the tent. It's like Moses rings the doorbell and God speaks to him through the door, but he doesn't invite him in. Moses can't go in. That's how Leviticus begins. But jump ahead with me, because if you want to understand Leviticus, the most helpful way to understand it at this point is to skip the whole book and go to the next book, Numbers, and just read the first verse from Numbers. So Numbers, chapter 1, verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses in the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai. Before the events of Leviticus, Moses can't go in the tent. He can't go into God's house. He can't enter God's presence. But after the events of Leviticus, he can go in. Leviticus, as you read it, might just feel like a bunch of laws, but it's actually telling a story. Leviticus is about resolving the problem of how a holy God could live with an unholy people. Leviticus helps us understand how broken people, flawed people, hurtful people, people like us, could become God's special people with close relationships to him. Leviticus is full of these rules and rituals and laws and practices, many of which sound weird to us, but they all exist so that God's people can be set apart as holy, so they can be close to their holy God. Do you recognize this duck? Yes? Yes, some of you are much too young to recognize this duck, (laughs) but that's okay. This is the duck from the 1981 Council of Australia campaign to encourage Australians to do what? All right, help me out. Slip what? Slip on a shirt. Slop on. Sunscreen. Slap on. Oh, man, the system works, right? Just in your brains. All right, now there's two more. Slide what? Slide on, because that's the normal way of doing it. Yeah, slide on some sunglasses and seek what? Oh, man, you're so indoctrinated. This is great. All right. For like 42 years now, Australian kids have been taught and adults have been reminded that if you want to go in the Australian sun, you need to slip, slop, slap. Slide, seek. Okay. This is how we enjoy exposure to the sunshine in Australia. And Leviticus is about God's people learning how to slip, slop, slap, as it were, so they can be exposed to their kind, wonderful, holy God. Leviticus is about God's people learning how to be holy so they can relate to a holy God, reflect him to each other, and reveal him to the world. This year, our theme at St. Matt's is about being a place of grace and a people of grace. We want to be increasingly shaped into a community that demonstrates the incredible, undeserved kindness of God to each other and to the world around us. A people of grace in a place of grace. But if we want to be a people of grace here, 
We need more of the God of grace here. We need more of his presence here. We need to live in such a way that says he is absolutely welcome. That he is being reflected and revealed again and again and again. And if we want to live like that, there's actually a lot we can learn from Leviticus. But for today, let me just finish the the big story, the, the big story of the Bible, how God seeks a people to be in close relationship with himself. Centuries pass after the events of Leviticus. There are some ups, mostly some downs. After God's tabernacle, his tent is turned into a temple of stone. After Israel rejects God again and again and choose more idols instead of him. After his people are scattered and his temple is destroyed and God's presence leaves Israel. After he brings them back into the land, they rebuild the temple, but God's presence never really dwells in that temple in the same way. After all this, a baby is born to a young Israelite woman named Mary. And she lays that baby in a manger. And they call him Yeshua, Jesus, which means God saves. And his other name is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. John, one of Jesus' followers, put it like this. He says the word, that's Jesus. Jesus was made flesh and made his dwelling among us. That word dwelling is literally tabernacled. He tabernacled among us. He put up his dwelling tent in our midst to live with us. We, we pushed God away, 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 again and again and again. So God made himself like us and came to live among us. But the sin that caused Adam and Eve to push God away, the sin that caused Israel to make a golden calf, the sin that caused Israel to... Reject God again and again and again. That sin is still in us as well. That inclination to push God away is still in us too. So Jesus took the blame for that sin. He died for that sin so that we could be holy. He finally bridged the gap between us and God. Then Jesus rose from the dead. He went into heaven and he sent his Holy Spirit to live in and among any of those who trust him. And one day, one glorious day, Jesus is going to come back and the promise of Revelation 21 is going to be fulfilled. Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Do you get the big story of the Bible? Holy God is seeking a people for close relationship with himself. God wants closeness with us. God wants closeness with you. It's easy to mistake Leviticus as being all about rules when actually at its heart it's about a relationship with God. And too often we make the same mistake about Christian faith. We think it's about following a bunch of rules and guidelines and practices. 
But our Christian faith is about having a relationship with God through Jesus. As we look at Leviticus each week, it might be easy to get lost in the details of random sacrifices and laws and concepts that are so unfamiliar to us, but remember that bigger message Leviticus is pointing us towards. Leviticus was written because the Holy God, the Creator God, the source of life, wants to be here with us. He wants to be in us and among us. Our Holy God wants a relationship with us. God, we thank you so much for that reality. To be honest, it feels a bit too big to comprehend. It doesn't really make the sense that you would value each of us and pursue each of us, but that's what you've done. And we thank you so much for it. And God, I pray for each of us here tonight that we wouldn't waste that. We wouldn't squander that. I pray that we say yes to that relationship and we draw close to you as well through Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Bend Hills 6pm Congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.